You are now listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Our message comes to us from our teaching and discipleship pastor, Pastor Jordan Wood. Have a listen. So good that during this time of social distancing, where we are called to eliminate all unnecessary travel, where we're called to keep our distances and stay in our bubble, uh, that we know that God is at work. Amen? We can trust that nothing that occurs is a surprise to God or comes as a surprise to God. But He knew all of these things would take place and God is still at work. Jesus said, My Father works even till now. Amen? We are continuing our series, our 10-week new summer series entitled Subject to Change. Subject to Change. How many of you were here last week when we kicked off the series? Awesome. We, we started with, with Joseph. Today, we're uh, with Joseph's father, Jacob. Throughout the series, we're going to be exploring ten biblical heroes of faith and specifically how they faced and dealt with change. So today is part two, Jacob, and my title for this morning is The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real. Why don't you look to the person sitting with you and say, The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real. Have you heard that statement before? The Struggle is Real? Uh, Not only because the struggle is real, but also because Israel struggled. Jacob's called Israel, so I thought that was good. Israel struggled with God. That's what the word Israel means. On a side note, uh, you may have noticed that we're not progressing each week either chronologically or canonically. We're not doing it strictly by history or as the Bible has laid out the characters. We're just going through these stories as what uh, suits us. Uh, it would help if, um, if you had a chance during the week maybe to look up uh, the story of the biblical character that's coming up for that week, and then when we gather on Sunday, uh, you're going to be well informed of all the nuances, because obviously in a given Sunday morning we can't cover everything. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Jeff will be back with us, and he will be doing Noah. Noah. So if you want this week at some point, check out Noah's story. And uh, when we were putting together the series, I said, Pastor Jeff, you have to do Noah. And he said, why do I have to do Noah? And I said, well, because you've just been through a major building project and you have three sons. So he said, yeah, I'll do Noah. So he'll be here next week. Hi, Pastor Jeff, if you're watching. Pastor Jeff and Helen send their greetings to all of us this morning. He'll be back with us next week. So prepare for that. Last week we learned from Joseph that he was a man of unwavering vision, that he was a man of integrity, and that he was a man who reframed his experience. This morning we will learn from Joseph's father, Jacob. So the struggle is real. I found this image that really captures what I mean by the struggle is real. This cute kitten trying to get over a log. I know, little kitty. I know. 
The struggle is real. The struggle is real. It's a phrase used to describe a small, everyday frustration or frustrating situation or setback similar to complaint of first world problems. And you know, we joke about first world problems. And I got this other picture from one of my favorite Disney cartoons. Woody and Buzz. First world problems. First world problems everywhere. Have you heard that saying? First world problems. We joke about it. Let me give you a couple examples of first world problems. Maybe you've heard this one. I can't believe it. The free Wi-Fi isn't strong enough. Have you heard that one? Or maybe this one. I can't believe it. i got to go all the way to the store, and when I went there, they were sold out of the brand I wanted. Is anyone getting convicted? No? Okay. Maybe this one. Can you believe it? I had to wait an extra day for my Amazon Prime package to arrive. Anybody here? Or maybe finally this one. Can you believe it? We have to wear a mask even when we go to church. Too soon? When we say the struggle is real today, we often do so with tongue-in-cheek. We do it with little bit of sarcasm but the truth is that many people are struggling and even in our context of privilege and provision many people are dealing with ever-increasing anxieties and challenges the phrase the struggle is real actually has some tragic origins to it where the struggle was real where people did face oppression and encountered injustice and unfortunately some of those injustices still occur. Today I want to highlight three panels from the life of Jacob in an effort to give us some tools that we can use to equip ourselves as we navigate this changing world we're living in. My hope is that we can learn from Jacob's example in how he faced and dealt with change so that we can be men and women who flourish even in this season so that when it's all said and done, we can abide in a position of strength and peace as a testimony to the world around us that hope grows here. Can we pray one more time? Father, as we turn to Your Word now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in Your sight. In Jesus' name, Amen. So that's it. This morning we're looking at Jacob. And Jacob... is somewhat of a complex character. He was a great leader. He had a great anointing on his life. But one of the reasons why I love Jacob is because he clearly wasn't perfect. He clearly had some character flaws. And so it's comforting to me and hopefully to all of us that when we look at ourselves and we see the flaws, we can say, you know what? God still worked in Jacob's life. He still used Jacob. God can still work in my life and He can still use me. Amen? The first thing that we learn about Jacob in the Scriptures is that Jacob struggled. It says in chapter 25, verse 22, that even in his mother's womb, Jacob struggled and wrestled with his brother Esau. 
He was a twin. Shout out to twins. He was a twin. And even in his mother's womb, and his mother is, is experiencing this struggle in her womb, and she's wondering what, what to make of this. And uh, it's, it's somewhat proleptic. That's just a fancy word that basically means the Scripture is giving us this description of Jacob struggling in the womb as kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with Jacob's life altogether. It's going to be characteristic. It's going to be thematic of Jacob's life. That he will struggle particularly with his brother Esau. They'll be rising against each other and it says, but the older will serve the younger. It's kind of a prophetic statement. The very next thing we learn about Jacob is when he was born, Esau was born first and Jacob was born second. But when Jacob was born in verse 26, it says that he grabbed the heel of his brother Esau. He comes out of the womb, latched on to his brother. And so they named him Jacob or Jacob, which is kind of a play on words. It essentially means grabber. Right? But when there was another expression in the day that said when you grab someone's heel, you're kind of a deceiver or a trickster, right? You're sneaky. And so there's this kind of play on words that from, from his very birth, even before he's born in the womb, Jacob is struggling. And even when he comes out of the womb, he is labeled as this grabber, as this deceiver, as this trickster. These are the labels that are placed on him from the very beginning of the story. And it's interesting, you know, we have the expression today, we don't call it grabbing the heel, but we ask if someone is pulling our leg. Are you pulling my leg? Are you grabbing my heel? It's kind of the same thing. Are you pulling my leg? Ask, ask your neighbor, is he pulling my leg? Can I trust him? The third thing that I want to just highlight about Jacob's beginnings is that much of our self-definition, when we think about ourselves, when we think about the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, so much of our self-identity comes to us from we were, when we were very young. And the labels that were put on us as children that we picked up, that we clung to, both positive and negative. Maybe your experience was positive and you were told as a child that you were beautiful, that you were special, that you were creative, that you were intelligent, you were smart, you were strong. And growing up, you clung to those labels and, and it, it caused you to grow in maturity in that self-understanding of, of who, who you saw yourself to be. For some of us, we didn't have such a positive experience. Maybe for some of us, we were told that we weren't beautiful or we weren't smart, we weren't resourceful or brave or creative. But just the same, we picked up those labels and clung to them and that became our self-identity. The story we told ourselves about ourselves. And this is what Jacob is telling himself about himself. This is the label that we see on Jacob right from the very beginning. 
But God has other plans. My first point this morning is that Jacob was defined not by these labels, but Jacob was defined by his encounter with God. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22, it says this Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. It says this in verse 17, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Bethel just means house of God. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying this, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you will give me, I will give you a tenth. At the same time that Jacob, the deceiver, the struggler, had this encounter with God, he was pretty much on the run from his brother Esau. See, previous to the story, he had deceived his father into thinking that he was his brother so that his father, though he couldn't see, would give Jacob Esau's blessing. And when Esau found out about it, he was furious. And so in order to protect Jacob, Jacob's mother said, you know what? Your brother's after you, so I want you to take off to my brother's house, your uncle Laban, and at the same time, you can try to find a wife. So he's now on this journey where he's running. He's running away. He's afraid. And he makes this vow before God. And he says, you know what? If God's going to be with me, and He's going to bless me, and give me all my needs, and if He brings me back safely and takes care of me, then I'm going to serve Him, and I'm going to tithe. But if not, then not. 
When it came to fight or flight, Jacob usually chose flight. And I wanted to lift up this principle about fear because fear was a major player in the life of Jacob. Any action that we take that is grounded in fear can never set us free from that which we fear. Are you here? Any action we take that is grounded in fear can never set us free from that which we fear. What does that mean? That means that really the only response to fear is to face it. It's the only way to deal with it. It's the only effective way to deal with it. If we cave into fear, we will be slaves to fear. But if we surrender to God, in Him we are made free. Fear has a way of keeping us on the run as it did for Jacob. Even while on the run, Jacob encountered God and as a result, his self-definition began to change. It was now beginning to be a mix between fear and faith. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you identify with Jacob. Maybe you too have had an encounter with God. Maybe God has revealed Himself to you and you've began this relationship with God and God and your relationship with God has has begun to change your self-definition of who you are. But it's very possible that there's still a mixture. That there's, you're still dealing with fears. You're still motivated. And a lot of what you're, you're choosing to do, the actions that you're taking, is still somewhat motivated by fear. You can identify with Jacob to say that, okay, that's a great place to start. Many people are in relationship with God only for fire insurance. And at best, that's an incomplete motivation. They say, just like Jacob, that if God does this or that, then I'll serve Him. What I want to to, to focus on this morning is the idea that while we are in this world of pandemic, while we are in this world of discontinuous change, what kind of people we need to be, and we need to be a people who are not afraid. We need to be a people who are not taking action grounded in fear, but grounded in faith. Amen? Now that doesn't mean that we just foolishly do callous things without taking precaution. That's not what I'm talking about. That's foolishness. But what I am saying is that while we take every precaution and exercise wisdom, that we are not weighed down by fear, we're not motivated by fear, but instead we are motivated by the power and presence of God in our lives. Jacob was not only defined by his encounter with God, Jacob was defined, point number two, by his struggle with God. We've seen already that Jacob struggled with men. He struggled with Esau, and he also struggled with his uncle Laban. For 20 years, Jacob was sheltered in the home of his uncle Laban. And when he left, he emerged with a new family. And as the story goes, we learn that his own deception fell on him. You see, earlier, as I mentioned, Jacob deceived his father 
into thinking that he was the older child. When he goes to take a wife, his uncle deceives him and gives him as a wife the older child. The very deception that Jacob was a part of now fell on him. We read in Genesis chapter 32, 22-30, it says this, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw the face, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So number one, Jacob was defined by his encounter with God. And here as he exits Laban's house with all of his family, his wives, his children, his livestock, and he's left alone. He sent his family on ahead. And here he is, and he wrestles with God. And God gave Jacob a new name. The name Israel means he strives with God. You see, this idea that Jacob struggled was kind of like foundational to his character. We saw it even from before he was born that he was someone who struggled, someone who strove, someone who wrestled. And yet God transformed that and redeemed that unique character about Jacob and used it now for His purpose and His glory. He says, you've struggled with men but now you've struggled with God and, over, and have overcome. And so I'm giving you a new name. This is exactly what God desires to do in your life and in my life. He desires to take those uniquenesses, to take those maybe those quirks and those unique things about us and use them for His glory. Those same things that you thought, why am I made like this? Why, am, why do I have this proclivity or, or this sort of nuance about my personality? You know what? God has a way of taking your unique personality, your unique passion, the thing that you feel passionate about, what you're called to, and using it for His purposes. He has a way of transforming and redeeming all of us for His glory. And that's a great place to say amen. Don't be shy. Are you getting something out of this? Amen. Okay. Just want to make sure we're all Moving forward here. God re redeems our quirks and our uniquenesses where Jacob's struggle was misplaced with his brother Esau and misplaced with his uncle Laban is now found its home in striving with God. 
We all need to model Jacob's striving with God. We all need to seek the face of God. We all need to seek first the kingdom of God. What does that look like in your life? To seek the face of God. In verse 30, Jacob sought the face of God. He came face to face with God. And this encounter enabled him to come face to face with his past. His brother Esau. When we allow God into our struggle and into our striving, our stories are redefined. This was the night before he was going to encounter his brother Esau, who he was afraid of, who he had been on the run of. He was, he was very much afraid of what was going to happen. He was worried for his life. But because he had this encounter with God, he could no longer be on the run because God had touched his hip and said, Jacob, you've been running your whole life and now you can't run anymore. You need to face who you are. And I think if we're going to be in this world of change, and if we're going to exit this season of change in a position of strength, it means that we're going to have to clean out the closet. It means that we're going to have to reflect on some of the things about our own character and our own personality. This season can be an amazing opportunity for us to be defined by God. To let go of old habits, of old ways, of old stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. And to let go of the past and to be made free in Him. Amen? This is a tremendous opportunity we have. I have on my board in my office that the difference between a crisis and an opportunity is the questions we ask ourselves. How can we allow God to move in our hearts in a greater way in this season of change? How can we be more surrendered to His will? How can we love Him more? How can we love His people more? How can we reach out more? How can we lay down old hang-ups and move forward in Him? See, God changed Jacob's name twice. In verse 35, 1-3, to it says this, Jacob returned to Bethel. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods. This is the opportunity. Get, you're about to meet with God. Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves change your clothes then come let us go to bethel let us go to the house of god where i will build an altar to god who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever i have gone notice what he says about himself he says this god who we are serving this god has actually been with me my entire life all through your struggle all through the difficult periods of your life, how you've had to come to maturity, how you've come to the place of finding yourself, how you've been built up your identity. Is it your reflection as well, like Jacob, that says, you know what? I, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but God was at work in my life even though I didn't know it. He has been with me until now. Is that your story? Amen. 
In verse 9, after Jacob returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you and I will give you this land to your descendants after you. Point number three is that Jacob was defined not simply by his encounter with God, not simply defined by his struggle with God, but he was defined by the blessing of God. On two occasions in Scripture, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob was a great leader. He had a great anointing uh, for prosperity and blessing upon his life. But for a significant part of his life, he struggled with character issues. So much of our struggle is the result of not knowing who we are in Christ. Jacob was now at a point where he was defined not by the labels of his childhood, not by his fear, but by the God who redeemed him and renamed him. This was God's plan from the very beginning. In Genesis 48, 15 and 16, it says this, Then he blessed Joseph and said, this is Jacob when he's coming to the end of his life. He's blessing his sons. He's blessing Joseph here. And he says, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. Talking about Joseph's two sons. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. You see, at the end of his life, Jacob now understood who he was. And I believe if we are going to flourish in this season of change, that we need to have our identities rooted in God. We need to know who we are. We need to be defined not by our fears, not by the labels of our upbringing, but by the label that God has given us. God needs to rename us in this season. We need to be called after His own name. Amen? He realized who He was. He understood that in God, all of His struggles found their purpose. Jacob realized that the presence of God had shepherded him his entire life. Jacob came to understand that the blessing of God in his life wasn't just for him, but was to establish a heritage and a legacy for the people of God. So much of Jacob's life was on the run, but his encounter with God meant that running was no longer an option. He had to face his brother, his past, and himself in order to step into the blessing that God had for him, which ultimately redefined him. Today we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and say it, Jacob. The patriarch Israel of whom the twelve tribes derive their name. You know, all of Jacob's struggles speak to our own. As we close this morning, I invite our worship team to come back. Thanks for leading worship this morning, guys. Appreciate it.
is a final psalm that I would read to you this morning. And we're going to sing. Well, we won't sing, but we're... You know what I mean. We have another song, and then we'll just close in a word of prayer. Amen. Psalm 24, verse 6 says this, Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. In this hour, in this season of change, for so many, the struggle is real. Maybe you find yourself at a place where Jacob was, struggling and striving, being defined by the labels inherited by your past. Today, you can walk into new life made possible by a relationship with Jesus Christ. I invite you to stand as we close. Maybe today you say, you know, what you said about fear really resonates with me. In so many ways, I've been on the run. Maybe you find yourself today in fear, on the run. Today, you can raise your hands. You can surrender all your fears to God who makes you free. And like Jacob, come face to face with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you see absolutely no purpose in your present struggle. You can turn your striving towards heaven. You can turn your struggle towards God who redeems us and redeems even our uniquenesses and replaces that with purpose and meaning. More than ever, the world around us needs the witness of the people of God who are defined not by their fears, but by the God who calls them by name. Chris Tomlin sang these words. He says, Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob. Give us pure hearts, 
Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob, and God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Now with every hand raised, Lord, we receive Your blessing today. We receive Your Word today with gladness. We thank You once again for the opportunity to worship. Lord, take away our fears. Give us instead faith to move forward in this season of change. Lord, let our lives not be defined by fear, but let us be defined by the power and presence of God in our lives. All of our hearts we lift to You. We lift the burdens and challenges. Lift them off of us, we pray, for we know that You care for us. Father, our prayer is that You would give us clean hands and pure hearts in this hour. We ask this in the name of Your Son. Amen. 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 Why don't you give Lord praise and just a clap offering to Him for what He's doing in this season. God is with you. This is the central thought from the life of Jacob that though we may not have seen it before, we know God is with us. Amen? You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you.